Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. My name is Lisa, I'm your host, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Philip Pape from Wits and Weights. He's a certified nutrition coach and body composition expert. Welcome, Philip. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you, Lisa, for having me on the show. Absolute, absolute pleasure. And I'd love for you to just um, introduce yourself a little bit, how you got into coaching, how you got into the whole fitness and health thing, really. Sure. Well, as, as you said, I'm a certified nutrition coach. My company is Wits and Weights. That's also the name of my podcast. And just in terms of my business, you know, I work with men and women who have demanding lifestyles, they're high achievers, and they want to use the best evidence-based information that we have in fitness and nutrition to upgrade and optimize their body, right? So I focus on body composition, but from a sustainable and um, an approach of self-mastery. That's kind of where I like to say it. Uh, and the emphasis is on strength and building muscle. So interestingly, I didn't really get into this until 2020 when I was turning 40. And after years and years of struggling, like many of us with all the diets, all the exercise routines, CrossFit, intermittent fasting, you name it, I probably have tried it. I finally stumbled across you know, some decent information that made sense through listening to podcasts, reading books, and so on, and went through what I'd call my first ever personal transformation that actually worked um, through the, the 2020 and 2021 timeframe, both building muscle and losing fat. And I took that information into a podcast as a passion project. You know, so a lot of people get into podcasts, I guess, as, as a form of marketing. For me, it was just a fun thing to do. And through that, I, I learned a lot more, as you could understand, mm -hmm. especially when I started interviewing experts. And then um, serendipitously, one of my podcast guests, who was a powerlifter, uh, encouraged me to get into coaching because she needed a coach and thought, hey, you know, you talk so much about how things work. And I never really got that until I listened to this. I was always told what to do and not why. And the light clicked at how important that was, even though, of course, we need to be consistent and get into the mindset side of things. So uh, that led to coaching and basically where I am today. I love it. Um, I One of the things that really stood out to me as you were speaking and also when I was doing a little bit of research beforehand was just the concept that you say self-mastery. For me, that 100% implies taking ownership of where you're at right now, but also self-improvement. I mean, we will probably never get to a point where we're like, oh, I'm a self, I'm a master of myself. I'm, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that just, that place doesn't exist. But um, that journey towards that, that drive towards that, um, I think if we as coaches can uh, inspire that or install that mm -hmm. thought and spark into other people, we have done a large part of our jobs. Um, and uh, the other thing that I, I saw when I was digging around a little bit was that you and I um, have something in common, which is we have tried various uh, diets in the past mm -hmm. before we found 
our sweet spot, our place now that we are trying to, um, I guess, hand over to our, our clients as well, or, or basically teach them as well. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that time beforehand when you were going through, I don't know, Atkins or whatever it might have been, um, your struggles there and, and how you're feeling now in comparison to that. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. I want to address the thing about mastery really quick that you talked about because I was listening to some other podcast and they were talking about how we always seek instant gratification. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, instant gratification is easy, but uh, the long term is, you know, how do you, how are you going to feel the day that you die? Like that is when you get the fulfillment, right? And this is a long game. And so when I think of mastery of anything, it takes time and it takes skills and it takes patience but it pays off. It pays off in the end in, in anything, any pursuit, music, um, fitness, whatever. So I just wanted to touch on that um, theme. And and that that segues into where I was beforehand, which is I was always looking for the quick fix or the diet or like the answer. And I never thought too far ahead. Or if I did, I said, I'll just figure it out. For example, and, and I'm sure the listener can relate to this. I've got to get in shape for XYZ event. Maybe it's a wedding. And so keto is the big thing right now. I'm going to cut all carbs and I can do it in the short term. And actually keto is pretty good because I get to eat a lot of meat and eggs and this and that. So it'll be fine. And then you lose 20 pounds and then now what? Right. And I could just eat like this forever. Right. Or I can deprive and restrict forever. Right. No, it doesn't work that way. We know that 95% of people gain all their weight back and then some, and they gain a lot of fat in the process. So it wasn't, it, it took decades for me to like say enough, there's gotta be something that works. And with that engineering mind of mine, I said, there's gotta be something that works and started to discover resources, you know, like, like what you're doing here of sharing the evidence and, and, and telling us how it actually works. That's awesome. Because yes, I mean, in the end, um, the, the principles of weight loss are actually really simple as we know, right? Like calories in, calories out for the most part. Um, but of course we're human. So we have emotions in there. We have certain cravings. And as you say, mm -hmm. we're impatient sometimes. For me, it wasn't always a thing of like a specific date or thing that I wanted to work towards. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was doing various diets before landing here, um, But it was still a little bit of a, a cycle. And the thing I struggled with the most was just that over restriction and then other times feeling like I failed because I, quote unquote, over ate or ate, over, or ate things that I thought I wasn't allowed or whatever. Yes, and yes. Um, just finding the right approach now has given me so much mental freedom, so much more joy in life, really. Um And I think that that is one of the beautiful things also that I can see with lots of clients when they're finally like, oh, you mean I am allowed to have a piece of cake or I really ate a lot more yesterday. Um, should I like do an hour extra of cardio and maybe not eat at all today? I'm like, no. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's beautiful when you can see the mindset slowly shifting into the right direction, I guess. Yeah. And you mentioned the word freedom. And if the irony is that the restrictive diets or even meal plans um, that are given to you where you're not sort of learning to make those decisions yourself, the evidence has shown time and again, ever since the, the early 90s, when they've conducted studies of that versus flexible dieting, that rigid control causes you eventually to lose control and, and to lose that power and develop eating disorders and all sorts of other things, not to mention gain a lot of weight and, mm -hmm. and 
fail, so to speak. Whereas uh, flexible dieting, right, that I know we both subscribe to and work with our clients on is, you know, here's some targets, here's some things that uh, you aim for in terms of energy and macros, but you've got the entire world of food to choose from. And we're going to learn the skills to make that work. So you can still enjoy what you like. Obviously, you're not going to have, you know, ho-hos and Twinkies all day, every day, because you'll find that it won't satisfy your protein or your fiber, or whatever your needs are. But it's like, how do we fuel? How do we meet the goal? Not, you know, eat this, not that. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I have a different question for you. You mentioned earlier that you got into this reasonably, quote unquote, late. I mean, uh, with 40 years of age. Um, and uh, I'm... I'm curious from your own perspective as well, but also with your clients, because of course, some of the evidence says, oh, from the time we're 30 onwards, it's so much harder to build muscle. It's um, like weight loss gets a lot harder, especially as women mm -hmm. transition through mm -hmm. menopause and so on. And um, I assume your clientele is kind of similar age as you are potentially, or maybe a little bit older. What are your a, experiences with that? Is it really so much harder slower whatever and b what are your main strategies to counter that yeah i mean if you ask any one of my clients who are women in their 40s or 50s perimenopause or, or menopause which is actually the majority of my clients even though i also work with men in all ages um and and you ask them to tell you about how their deadlifts and squats have gone up so much and they started how their waist has gone down how they're feeling great how they can eat more food than they ever ate before um you quickly dispel that notion i've had a very few select number of clients who actually had an underlying hormonal imbalance that was causing a slowdown due to mm -hmm. thyroid issues in their metabolism so they weren't responding or like when we take them into a diet they would over adapt and we just had to deal with that but the vast majority of issues um, are, are due to a loss of muscle mass over time as we age. It's not your age, right? It's not even being a woman or a man or having certain hormones. Again, for 95% of people, it's that at our whole life, we're sedentary, right? We don't load our muscles. We don't use our muscles. So we lose them. If you look like let a cross section of someone's thigh from the time they're 40 to the time they're 70, the circumference is the same but the content becomes more and more fat and less and less mm -hmm. muscle till there's no muscle left. So imagine what's happening to your ability to function as a human. Now you could reverse that and start building muscle and strength training, very heavy weights at any age, even if you're 70, even if you're 80 and you'll, you'll massively change the equation and change the trajectory of your life. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And um, I think uh, not just that we're, we're sedentary all of our lives. I actually think our activity decreases most of the time. Um, true, in, in, yeah. in our twenties mm -hmm. or thirties, perhaps people still like run after their children. They might have a busier work thing going on. And then of course, uh, even more so when people retire. Um, yeah. Okay. You, this is like very broadly speaking, of course, um, but it might just generally decrease. Sure. If I just think of my own grandparents, especially in my grand with my grandpa, for example, um, uh, one year it was, uh, okay, he's feeling a little bit dizzy when he's walking. Now he's, he's not going to go for his daily walks anymore. And the next uh, year, because I only kind of visit home like once a year sort of thing. The next year it was like, oh yeah, he used to play bowling every week, once a week for the last 50 years with his friends. Um, 
he fell once he's not going to go anymore now he like he, he hardly ever mm -hmm. hardly even stands anymore so of course um i mean i'm i'm easy to speak i'm not in his position but he just does less and less and less and less and less and instead of trying to counter yes. that even more so and I think um, a lot of people have the perception as well, you become more fragile, so you shouldn't lift as heavy as you age. And that couldn't be mm. further from the truth, from what I have learned. And as you say, what the evidence is kind of showing as well. So uh, I'm I'm curious, um, more specifically, like what are your main or favorite exercises that you like to incorporate into mm -hmm. people's training programs? Uh, and also, um, do you have particular rep ranges that you like to keep them in or does it really vary? Sure. If we're talking a beginner, which is the majority of people, and if you're listening and you say, no, I've been doing CrossFit for 10 years or I've been going mm -hmm. to the gym for 10 years, there's a good chance you're still a beginner when it comes to quote unquote proper or effective mm -hmm. strength training which I define as having a few factors. One is mus muscular tension. So this is found through heavy weights um, and, and getting close to failure. Another is progressive overload. This is the foundation of being able to actually grow, right? Every time you go to the gym, something is getting harder. It's either the weight or the reps or the sets or some combination. Um, and then being very efficient and using as much muscle as possible, which lets us select the right movements. So when you combine all of those requirements, you get the compound lifts. You get the big lifts, usually done with a barbell, but there's there's variants with dumbbells or cables. And of course, people of different um, proficiencies and abilities may have to modify things. But I would say the squat, the deadlift, the overhead press, and the bench press, plus some pull-ups or chin-ups, if you had nothing else, that's going to get you 90% of the way there towards strength and muscle. Totally. Absolutely. I mean, the, the big, big compound lifts, we want to get the most bang for our buck in most cases. Um, I, from personal experience, I do have to say, I mean, I've been strength training pretty consistently for about 10 years now. And um, as silly as it sounds, I do feel like I am recovering more and more slowly and I'm just, I'm 33. So, you know, nonetheless, um, I feel like I do need a bit more rest or yes. Um, I need more isolation work versus compounds in some instances. So I have kind of like adapted my training program or when people say, oh, I'm not recovering so well, then I change it more to a little bit isolation work. Have you found similar things with some people that, that are complaining of not recovering fast enough? Yes, it's very interesting. Um, most of my clients that come in who've worked out in some capacity, usually they're doing too much before mm -hmm. we work together. It could mm -hmm. be, it could be the Peloton or the orange theory or, you know, playing a lot of sports and, and I'm all for an active lifestyle. And if there's something you enjoy, it's, it's great to incorporate that because that's, there's a mental side of it, but you, of course you have to balance your priorities. I find that switching to something like a three day a week, full body program at the beginning is very easy to recover for, for many of these people actually. And it's only when the weights start getting heavier, where you have to make modifications where, and you're getting very strong. And that could be as early as three to six months in where like, okay, now you can't deadlift every session or, or, or twice a week. Maybe it's once a week and you alternate it with rows or pull-ups, mm -hmm. or if you, if you want to have some fun with Olympic lifts, you could do power cleans. It was different things like that. Um, the, the isolation movements and the accessories come in, in my opinion, when you get to about six to 12 months in, when you want to go to like a four day split 
And, and the four day split also helps with recovery because you're shortening the sessions, right? You're allowing for the different muscle groups to recover. Um, yeah. Usually people are just doing too much other stuff in my opinion, like cardio or they're not sleeping enough or they're not eating enough people listening. You're not eating enough. Okay. Um, or they're trying to, or they're not taking long enough rest periods or they're doing too many sets. Like there's a lot of variables as you know, uh, Lisa. And yeah, I see that with, I see that with clients, but I would say a simple three day a week, big lifts, you're going to recover from just fine for most people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you you touched on something uh, really good there, and that's the not eating enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another kind of a point, big point or, or something that we can read in much of the evidence is that protein actually becomes more and more important as we age. Um, I have found it difficult enough, I guess, to get people in their mm -hmm. 20s to eat enough protein. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Now, after a lot more years of having habits ingrained and all of that, um, how do you get people to switch their mindset around protein when when they're a little bit more resistant or maybe they don't even, they say they don't have enough appetite, they don't like chewing yeah. much or like, I don't know. Right. I mean, there's a combination of education and then behavior, right? And on the education side, we, we learn about the all the benefits of protein, the fact that it uh, burns more calories when you digest it, that it fills you up, that when you have to eat a lot of protein, you tend to eat more whole foods. Um, and then most importantly, it's the only thing that you can use to build muscle, right? And we talk about fat, fat loss and body composition and, hey, you want to you lose weight? Okay, let's change that mindset to really you're losing fat and you're changing your body composition and protein's going to get there. So education is for one. And honestly, a lot of people who find me, they've heard the podcast and it's been drawn to them from that point of view and probably listen to, to yours. They can do the same. Uh, but then how do you do it? <laughs> right. Cause I have most of my female clients come in eating like 40 grams of protein. Okay. Maybe 40 to 60 grams of protein and they might need 140, mm -hmm. right. They may need closer to that 0.8, one gram per pound. Um, we start slow. We baby step. Step one, just get protein whenever you eat right? Step two, eat more during the day, right? Step three, let's track and, and, and compare that to the amount of protein you're getting, right? And then through all that, you discover where the roadblocks are. And it's usually like, well, how do I get enough protein? And then what do I eat for protein? And, you know, and you start to discover all the different wonderful ways you can get protein from plants and animals. Love it. Absolutely. And I assume you approach the point of doing too much and too much cardio, from a similar angle in the sense of education and habits. So getting, giving people the evidence of like, Hey, you're, you're saying you're wanting a defined body, your posture is crap and you're not strong enough, but at the same time, you're, all you're doing is um, running a couple of miles a week is, 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 is that kind of your approach? Yeah, for sure. Um, Sorry, there's a connect. There's a little connection issue, Lisa. Okay, there. Um, yeah. So with when we get started, right from the onboarding call, um, we talk about the importance of building and growing your body and fueling your body. And like, um, the goal of this is not to lose weight. That might be a thing that you want to do along the way. The goal is to feel your best and be mm -hmm. happy and have that great feeling that that you may never have had before. Maybe you had it when you're younger. Maybe not. And each of these things serves that, 
right? So whether it's strength training or not doing as much cardio or what have you. And as a coach, I have to get them to trust me, right? I have to get them to trust the process, collect the data, show them the feedback of how this is working over time. Hey, the scale weight's not moving, but how do you feel? And let's look at your waist size. And by the way, your deadlift went up, you know, and you kind of have to shift the focus to uh, performance and growth. And that usually works really well, um, except in rare cases. And then you have to get a little bit more, you know, deep into the emotional side of things. No, that's such a good point. Also pointing out like, hey, you slept better. You had more energy on uh, like even performance wise at work, um, maybe like all, all these kinds of things. Um yeah definitely it makes makes a very big difference um on top of the protein and the strength training the two most important things when it comes to building muscle or retaining muscle uh do you have any particular supplements that you try to get most of your clients to take i don't re you know require supplements of course but i definitely recommend the big ones that i think the evidence supports so i'm not going to be talking about ashwagandha or tocasterone or anything like that it's <laughs> hey do you take a multivitamin? Do you take fish oil if you don't eat enough fatty fish? If you do eat enough fatty fish, you don't need the fish oil. Uh, magnesium is a big one. Mm -hmm. I think that is um, most people on the planet don't get enough magnesium. Even from food, it's very hard in the modern supply to get it. And sometimes if you have sleep issues or migraines or you know um, issues that you think are related to hormones, you never know how magnesium could maybe address some of those things. Uh, creatine is big for mm. performance. And then uh, I feel like there's one more that I recommend, uh, probiotics. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And what about vitamin D? Is that something that you generally recommend or is it more um, individual based or, you know, blood, blood test based? Sorry, the, the, the connection got poor again. What was the last question? My bad. Today, I, I have to admit, um, here in Colombia, generally, <laughs> I'm in the capital, so um, generally in my apartment, the the connection is really good. But today, I've had two power cuts, and both of them, the first one was during another podcast recording, and the other one was during okay. no worries. No worries. my group call, so I really apologize. Yeah, you, you can edit it out, or people can enjoy the... Yeah, either way. <laughs> a little break. Um, I, I was uh, asking about a vitamin D, if that's something, or or calcium oh. for women, or something like that. If that's something that you generally recommend. Yeah, and of course those go hand in hand. Usually, vitamin D and calcium. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to get people to walk a lot, go outside, get their mm -hmm. vitamin D naturally, and get it from food. Um, if if your blood work indicates it's low, then supplementation is is somewhat recommended. I'm a little bit equivocal on that, like ambivalent, because the evidence seems to be kind of in the middle, right? I don't want to be, because you could easily overdo it with vitamin oh, D. Yeah. So I'm kind of on the fence about that one. Cool. No, absolutely. I, um, I, I'm on the, on the same page and I, it really seems like you try to get people to do the basics, the oh, most important sure. things, the yeah. biggest movers, as opposed to trying to focus on the little things, as you mentioned, like the sleep the training, the eating, especially protein. And, you know, then the rest will kind of sprinkle in there. And with, with, with all your coaching. So from how I understand it, you mostly do training a little bit and nutrition um, as well. I don't know if it's always for all clients um, training and nutrition, right. but you mentioned, yeah, it's, I sure, sure. No. And, and I, I mean, I believe you can't have one without the other to, for optimal results. Um, I'm not a personal trainer in that. I don't write custom programming, but right. I do offer form checks to all my clients. So I will, right from day one, if they don't already have a program, which most of them don't, 
there's several that I, I use or work with. They're either templates or other programmers programs that I, I respect. And then I do the form checks and help them understand it and understand sets and reps and how to load their plates and all this stuff. And they can send me as many videos as they want. And I will help with their form, which is really, really valuable in those first like month or two of training. Absolutely. I mean, it's the beauty of the internet, but at the same time that we can like work with people no matter where, but at the same time, sometimes you're like, oh, I, I often get the question with people starting out, um, how much weight should I use for this exercise? I'm like, oh, no, I, I, like, as much as I want to, I cannot tell you. I have literally right. no idea how, what feels challenging to you or not. You know, we, we exactly. try to work with either RPE or reps in reserve or like whatever percentage or just, I just try to get people to even get a feel for quote unquote challenging because sometimes they yes. don't know, oh, like, I feel something. Yeah, but was it challenging? You know, <laughs> if I feel something. Yes, though, yes. Yeah, it's it's difficult to well, if you have never strength trained, it's yeah. difficult to understand what we really mean by oh, an RPE of eight. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> yeah, well, here's my secret to that. At least it like at least makes my job easier. But I believe it's also very effective for figuring that out for a client. Is all my initial programming that I prefer is sets across programming. So three sets of five. Oh, you actually asked about rep ranges earlier. And I tend to stick in the four to six rep range when you're a beginner, because that's just the sweet spot between um, way too heavy to a level that you wouldn't quite be able to handle or understand and way too light in that you're not using as much muscle mass. So um, it might look like three sets of five squats. And then every time you squat, you're going to increase the weight. That's it. Guess what? If you start too late on, or it's too light on the first session, eventually it'll be heavy. <laughs> That's a that really good point. Just simply getting them to increase. Um, I, of it. course, you know, at some stage there's going to be a bit of a cap where you're not going to be um, increasing in every yes. single exercise, every single workout at some stage. Um, but as a beginner, that's a really good way of just getting them to, oh, that was so hard. I couldn't even increase this week. And then you're like, oh, there you go. That means it was challenging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we, and, I, and we have the conversation. It's more of even aspirational than that. And I say, look, you go in every week thinking I am not failing any reps. Like that is my goal to not fail a rep. Mm -hmm. So the first time a client asks me, what do I do if I fail a rep? I say, no, you're not going to fail a rep. So what do we need to do to not fail a rep? And mm -hmm. then we talk about things like the rest periods and not jumping too high in weight from session to session and eating enough and sleeping enough. And if you have all those dialed in, you should be able to go up some amount of weight for quite a while, you know, like three to six months before it starts to plateau. But then like, Take women, for example, women tend to have better recoverability and volume uh, ability than men on average. And so if three sets of five doesn't work, maybe five sets of three will work and you can easily mm. uh, keep going up and weight that way. So those little tricks until you have to go to more of an intermediate uh, program. Super cool. Yeah, I like that. I, I never thought of it that way, but that's that's a really good one. Um, and then how in, in all of that uh, training, coaching and, and nutrition and so on, how do you sprinkle in those little bits of, yeah, self-mastery <laughs> of mindset coaching really, or, you know, I don't like to use that word mindset so much because nowadays it's like, oh, mm. what does that even mean? Everyone uses that word, but like, yeah, how do you, how do you approach that with your clients? Yeah. And you're, you're right about the word mindset because mindset, the technical definition is kind of what, what you think about something or your perception, whereas which is maybe distinct from emotion, right? There's like the mm -hmm. emotional side, emotional fitness, where 
we our emotions are what they are like we can't help that we are going to feel something about something we can't like interrupt that before it happens but what we can do is look at a situation um, look at the consequence of the situation and then go and figure out a strategy for the next time that happens it's not going to occur to cause that emotion so when we look at emotional eating right I'm not gonna I'm not a therapist I'm not gonna solve the trauma or anything that's under there necessarily um, I'm going to ask you what are your what's your trigger right what is it a food um, is it a situation that's happening is it boredom and we look at the trigger and then we say okay how do we take control of that before it becomes an issue is it getting food out of the house of a certain kind, you know, the trigger foods of the house. Is it talking to someone who's in your household um, who needs to support you in a different way? Uh, is it planning ahead for that, you know, wedding, that party, that night out, that travel? Um, is it having personal food guidelines? Like I could go on you know, and you know, you have probably a hundred strategies in your pocket that are, let's stop making excuses and let's not blame the emotion. Let's go work around it. And then when you work around it and you have success, magically the emotional side tends to start to heal and that's what I love to see totally I, I love all these strategies especially the planning ahead I will have to say I do think for most people that makes a huge difference because then you are less inclined to let your emotions guide you and it's not so much of like you come home and you're just ravenous and you want to grab anything that's inside, but you don't really feel like cooking, but no, no, you've planned ahead. There's already something in the crock pot or you already have pre-logged your meals and you know, okay, after dinner, I'm not going to have ice cream, but I'm just going to have yogurt instead or whatever. Um, you just simply have to follow well simply yes. quote unquote still not that simple but you know you follow that as opposed to just saying oh what do I feel like right now because then we are definitely influenced by stress by right. sadness loneliness frustration anger whatever it might be yeah you hit it on the head when you said you it's you take the decision making away from the emotional point, right? That emotional mm -hmm. context where all of a sudden the decision's not really a decision. It's kind of out of your control. Make the decision ahead of time. Um, one of my clients this week, you know, she had a breakthrough where we had been on a even distribution of calories like most people. And uh, occasionally, took diet, occasionally we would take a diet break. And she's like, you know, I'm really struggling. The weekends are, are getting harder and harder as we get right toward the end of her fat loss phase. They said, well, why don't we just increase the calories on the weekends or do some else? Like, very simple strategy, but we hadn't used it. And to her, it was like a huge light bulb. Oh, I can do that. Like that's, that's going to solve everything for me because my week is very routine and boring and I'm busy and I don't think much about food, but weekends are where the trouble happens. And now we planned it with flexibility mm -hmm. by increasing the calories there and reducing them elsewhere. I mean, there's just so many ways to slice it, but it comes down to planning and being in control. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And that's, as you said, seemingly simple solution, but you probably gave her so much motivation back and so much like joy in yeah. the whole process, which is, yeah, one of, I guess, one of the beauties of coaching because <laughs> you have that. It is, it is. Because, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When, when she's like, oh, now I have, I have more flexibility. I mean, yeah, that's what this is all about. And I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't give you that idea like three weeks ago, but yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Philip, I want to respect your time, but um, I'm wondering if you have any like two, three main takeaways that you want to um, give our listeners here that they can walk away with. I mean, alongside of everything else you've already given them. <laughs> it's a lot of takeaways. Yeah, no. Um, I guess the, the, the first takeaway would be strength is the foundation of all physical attributes 
we're all physical fitness. And if we don't put our effort into getting stronger and then to building muscle from that, but muscle is kind of a side effect of also getting stronger then all of the other things you want to do with your body and with your health and your body composition uh, aren't going to matter. Right. So strength and nutrition have to go hand in hand. Um, wow. Three takeaways. That's a lot. Okay. What's <laughs> I mean, another takeaway? Awesome. Also. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess another takeaway would be the, that we have to prioritize self-care and sleep as part of this. I mean, I kind of link them together, but we didn't really talk about that part of it. And yet that sometimes is the, the key to unlock everything else, because when you don't get enough sleep or when you're stressed and you don't take time to yourself, it all builds and builds and builds. And it has physiological effects, right? If you don't get enough sleep, you're going to be hungrier and then you're going to eat more. You're also going to store more fat in your belly than elsewhere. If you don't get enough sleep, that's actually supported by the evidence. Um, Self-care, same thing. If you just go day after day uh, wired and on, uh, your cortisol never gets a chance to dissipate and you don't get that rest. So that's part of recovery. Uh, what's a third takeaway, Lisa? <laughs> give me a topic and I'll give you a takeaway. <laughs> I think you already, well, we've got the strength, we've got the self-care. And I think you you mentioned and um, the protein. I do want to hammer that down. I know my clients are going to be like, oh, Jesus, Lisa, shut up about the protein. But I think, um, yeah, in, in, in yeah. many, many, many regards, not just when it comes to the building muscle, um, but a lot of other things you're going to benefit your body long-term if you can prioritize that. That would be my, my third one that I'm going to add in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. And people don't realize that. Like you said, when you get older, it's even harder to build muscle. I mean, it's not harder to build muscle. The, the muscle protein synthesis tends to slow down a bit and you need more protein. And you also need more protein in a fat loss phase or at least to maintain the same level of protein. Uh, so those are very important. Precisely. Well, thank you so, so much for all your valuable information. And maybe you want to um, let people know your, your social media handles or where they can find you. Of course, just go to my website, witsandweights.com, and that'll lead you to whatever you're interested in, whether it's the podcast, some free stuff that I give you coaching, it's all there, witsandweights.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Philip. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe leave a review or share the episode on social. Very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at nutrition, coaching, and life, or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.